0: Hello, this is Sarah Callie-Cox in A Day To Be Me. We have your co-host,
1: Alexander Hodge.
0: So today we are going to be discussing disabled children and their IEPs. Um, The first topic we are going to be discussing is how much of a shock it is to find out that your child has a disability when they are first diagnosed. One of the big things is you have to let your expectations kind of die off and learn how to proceed with your child's disability.
1: Yeah. So, you know, and I'll, I'll give you. Um, there's two ways that this can go, you know, um, where you find out that your kid, the kid has a disability. And. A couple ways that this can go, because. Um, one of my parents, my mom and dad, and the, I think the reason that we wanted to start the, this topic is because my mom and dad want um, the audience to learn from this as well um, on what it's like to go through the IEP w- with the child and hopefully it would help some of the struggles that my mom and dad had faced and heads up to what could happen and and who's really in charge of the IEP itself. Uh, I'm going to bring around to that topic because the parents are the ones that are in charge of the behavior plan and the IEP. They're the ones that are in charge and they have the rights to. Say and and and. For it to go the way so the kid has the best tools to learn and grow and function um but there's always a dichotomy um the disability is not an excuse so if the kid's having a behavior problem it's just a matter of how to best give this the kid with the disability the tools to learn those behavior patterns that are acceptable and the ones that are not because that, the, the tool that that kid's le- using to learn those behavior patterns is not the same as a neurotypical kid, it is not. It is just the reality of, of the situation. Whatever expectations that you had, especially I think with kids that are naturally born, this is a shocker because you kind of want your kid to be kind of the, the pro, kind of like the uh, survival of your, of your genes, you know, I get that when the kid actually has a diagnosis um that expectation once it has to be put aside and then we guys gotta hunker down and get to work on behavior plans and ways to give this kid tools where he can understand how to learn it himself too go ahead kelly
0: so with expectations of your kid, um, you can have the expectations that they'll grow into a neurotypical adult, you know, graduate high school, graduate college, get a job, get a profession, take on the sports that you want them to proceed with. You have all these expectations, but the reality is that when your child is diagnosed with a disability, you need to rearrange what your expectations are and give them the tools necessary for survival and for independence and growth. So you need to redefine what your expectations are.
1: Also, I wanna point out that a mental disability, there should be no stigma attached to it, none whatsoever. A mental disability is just the same, I guess, concept and relieving of expectations as a physical disability. You know, so, Uh, I think with mental disabilities, it's definitely kind of a harder thing to conceptualize because, again, unfortunately, there is a stigma attached to mental disabilities because we think, oh, this kid needs to be. No, they can't. For one, they, they can't just get over it and get their act together on their own. Because they're young, for one, they don't have that. And for two, they don't have the same circuitry to learn those things as a neurotypical child that you would expect would. Another thing, too, when it comes to um, the schools. um, Trying to change things about the IEP. So sometimes some some egos that can get involved with this. There's some some battles that can happen with this where. Ego gets in the way where this kid's frustrating and the teacher does not want that kid in their class anymore or something like that, where the ego gets in the way. No. Got to do the work. Um, And that might mean that you know, this kid may need to be removed from class for put into another class, but that subject still needs to be taught to the child. And the, with the behavior plan in place, it makes it so that that child can learn and the behavior patterns and learn the best way that they can possible. So I get it. It's frustrating. But it's worth it. in the end. And that kid has the same feelings and, and reservations and, and sometimes even resentment. You might not see it, but some some of these kids that have mental disabilities, there's a little bit of resentment involved because it's like, why am I not like these other kids? This is what this kid's going through. There's some resentment there that can build up, and you know, uh, personally, um, you know, it was fueled by the fact that I got like on occasion attacked a couple times with the stigma and, and, and things where they didn't want me in their class anymore. Part of that was the mere fact that I had a mental disability and was diagnosed with Asperger's. Um, I get it. So now as an adult, uh, looking back, I have a better understanding of it than, than I think I ever did. Um, but as a kid, they're not going to have that same understanding. So that's their world. That's their ecosystem. it's what they got.
0: One of the things that I wanted to bring up with IEPs and disabilities is both Alex and I went through this and I want to bring up some personal events that have happened with the IEPs and the way our parents did things. So I'll start. When I was going through school, it took a very long time for me to learn how to read and write, years past the neurotypical child. Um, I was doing homeschool and my mom worked countless and countless hours getting me to learn how to read and write. Well, then comes public schooling and private schooling. I had an IEP. And there were a lot of teachers who didn't want to go through with what my mom was saying works with the tools that she was trying to get them to give me. And because they weren't listening, she had to go about things her own way and decide what was best for me and how she was going to make this work for me. And in the end, it always happened. It always happened where I got the tools and resources that I needed. But definitely with her, she stood her ground and kept her ground and did not stop until i got what i needed and i am very thankful for that because now i have grown and i can push that aside and continue with doing what i love to do
1: as a result of that with callie's you know how to write (laughs) you built your blog your your website all this is your creation as a result of, of standing your ground and getting you the tools that you needed to learn this stuff so yeah um and my experience was i was going to um this started in elementary school man um my start of school was rough and this is probably why part of the reasons that i'm not a disciplined studier here in college is school from the start was it was hard um for one, I'm male, I'm a boy. And I, I've come to discover that there's a little bit of a um, imperative for just being a young boy with Asperger's with mental and with a mental disability. There's a stigma attached to it. I've experienced it. So um, when I got because I had to get the heck out of that school. I don't, I don't remember it very well because it was a memory that I repressed for years. So I don't remember what happened or was aware of what my what my mom and dad were struggling with outside of the fact that, um, that they didn't want me in there for one. They've already, so it seems like the school has already decided where they can't make that decision, so where they, but they did anyway. So as a result of that, um, I didn't get kicked out, but I was transferred to um, praise McKinley Elementary School because they're, they're the ones that saved my life. They saved my life because they had the resources and not only that, but the training and the people that they had on, on the team, the teachers, the ego wasn't there. Like they were able to put their ego aside and say, no, this is a kid who yeah, he, he's a young boy and with Asperger's and they're able to put the ego aside and it pointed me down a road where. Um, I don't like to think what would have happened if, if that hadn't have happened, if I hadn't transferred out of the old the other school that I was in, I'm not going to name the other school because I don't want to place any kind of. Um, negative uh, influence on that school, but it was rough. Um, And I remember that there's a couple people that I I have resentment for because of some of the stigma and and the problems that I was having. We were butting heads a lot with these with these teachers, and I could feel it as a kid. Um, And one of them snuck in a note on the IEP on the back of it, said to watch out for my dad because he knows what he's talking about. They're sneaky. It's sneaky. There's a sneaky element to it that I think parents need to watch out for. There was a note on the back of the IEP that was telling this other school to watch out for my dad. It was because my dad knew who had the rights and to say so and to getting what the children needs child needs to actually learn and grow. It's almost as if my growth because I was a male and a Aspie, Asperger's or whatever, they didn't want me to. It's almost as if Darden didn't want me to have this. It's a weird feeling that I have about that, and I still do. And I, and again, I could be wrong. They, 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 didn't get it. It was a misunderstanding. But I have a feeling that there was some something more to that. I could be wrong, and that could be just my conspiracy theory mind be at work, you know. Um, it was a rough time. Um, but McKinley saved my life. They had. Um, the rules they were able to follow. They had the rules down. Like they knew what, the, what they needed to get the work done. So I could be have the tools, a behavior plan. So if I do misbehave, they know things that need to be done to correct course. So I can learn better to correct my own behavior. This is why I always talk about the discipline coming from within has to come from within. Well, I wouldn't have learned that if it wasn't for McKinley and the other schools and and that I went through from there. So. Kudos to them. So they got the work and they did it so. Otherwise I, I would probably not be talking to us to everyone today.
0: Or worse, suicide. So I want to bring on our editor Kevin Gellinger. He has some research that he has done. That he wants to bring up. So, welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Also,
2: bring a photo of your child to IEPs and humanize your child. Make sure it's about them. Look at everything. Make make sure to understand everything that's being proposed, disregarded watch their hand movements, their eye gestures, watch them every single step of the way because they'll be really sneaky about it. Wow. I know that.
0: So you were bringing out something in our little meeting before we started the podcast about bringing notes to your IEP. Don't let the... Yeah, uh, bring
2: notes uh, about... Your child, so they understand to make sure they understand it and if they don't try and make them understand this is for your child.
1: Communication um, huge so communication is a big one with IEPs. Yes.
0: One of the things I also wanted to bring up um, that we didn't really get to discuss is the shock factor of finding out that your child has a disability. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, to find out that your child has a disability, um, it can be shocking. I mean, as we discussed earlier, the expectations you have from your child from the second they're conceived to the moment they're born to when they're diagnosed. Um, It can be shocking. It can be heartbreaking. You can ask yourself, what did I do wrong? What caused my child to be this way? You can't be thinking about that. You have to be thinking, what is best for my child? What kind of tools can I have for my child right now? And what will help them grow as an individual? You you can't be comparing them to neurotypical people or the vision you had for them as though they were neurotypical.
1: Think by taking a stoic stance to it and understanding what, how we respond to the diagnosis from what we can control. And not think about what we can't control. Here's what we know. This kid's got a diagnosis for a disability. What do his parents have control to respond from to and from from then on forward? So instead of clinging on to what we can't control um, with that. So yeah, Uh, I I think, I don't know for sure, but this might be, it seems to be, I don't know for sure. Maybe I'm kind of assuming that this is a common theme with parents who have their child naturally um, where they have, and all of a sudden they have a diagnosis with something that they um, hoping their kid wouldn't have. In my mindset, this is why I'm not for having kids, starting a family for myself. It's because I know myself too well, that shock would be too much. I wouldn't be able to handle it. And I wouldn't have the patience for it. No, my my, I think my ego would get in the way. It's too big. I just know myself well enough that I would not have the same patience as a father figure that I should. To have a a child with a diagnosis with a disability, I wouldn't. Um, Sorry to say to the ladies out there, but no. You know, I know myself too well, I wouldn't have the patience, especially if they get overweight and on the pills, you know, I just wouldn't have the patience for that.
0: One of the things that parents should understand is before you are a parent, realize that when you agree to um, have a child, when you're looking towards having a child, you have to understand that they could come out and be disabled, they can come out be gender that you we weren't planning them to be, they could come out with a whole bunch of different things premature. You gotta understand that when you sign up for this, that this is what you are going to be able to handle.
1: Yep. And it's all about what can we control? What do we have control over how to
2: respond from here on forward?
0: Absolutely. Yes. It's a very
2: challenging environment. And in some cases might mean
1: setting the kid up with a family who can do it. So which might mean adoption setting them up for that. That's what happened mm-hmm. to me. That's what happened to me because my bio parents. It's where I where my diagnosis partially comes from and um, to be honest. I do harbor some resentment for that. You know, I don't blame him for not being able to take care of me. No, like that's not where I'm going with it. But it was a shocker to me too to find out that I have a diagnosis and I compare myself to kids who are neurotypical. I was like, God damn it. Why? And then I come to find out that my birth parents are partly why. And it's like that was a hard hurdle for me to get over. But I'm over it now because I know what I'm in control over. And that's something that I can't control. I am what I am now. So. But I was lucky to have been adopted. My mom and dad are my mom and dad. Donna and Stephen Hodge. They're my mom and dad, so. um, Sometimes that might mean. That's something that might have, might happen. You know when you have a kid. But you have to put your ego aside and maybe they can't take care of it, you know, or something, you know, or being able to control. needs to be done to moving forward
0: so one thing that i want to bring up with the adoption is yeah you have to focus on one like where your kid's gonna go for one but with the adoption that i went through i went to amazing parents just like alex went to amazing parents I mean, we couldn't have gotten as far as we have today without them building those building blocks for our success and for our our continuous growth. I mean, we have everything to thank. For one, thank our biological parents for giving us up to a family that can and will take care of us the right way. And
1: I also want to thank the schools that followed through with the, with the rules of the, of the behavior plan and the IEP, that gave us the tools to learn and become who we are today. Actually have a day to be me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that concludes our podcast. This is Sarah Kelly Cox, at a day to be me with our co-host.
2: Alexander Hodge.
0: And our editor,
2: Kevin Gallinger.
0: Have a great day, guys, and have a great day to you, our audience.
2: Yeah. KPG here with a day to be me. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and hit that like button for more videos.